0: Hello and welcome to Joy Sounds, music you need to know. I'm your host, Chris Sampson. Thanks for joining us for part two of this special episode featuring the 2020 graduating class of the USC Thornton School of Music Popular Music Program. On this episode, we'll hear from Amir Kelly, Enzo Ionello, Ashley Estes, Julian and Stefan Salas, and Haley Perkins. We'll also get to talk with some of the faculty from the USC Pop Program, including Jeffrey Allen, Adriana Bollock, Sean Holt, and Lyndia Johnson. So, let's get right into hearing from these exceptionally talented artists from the 2020 graduating class. Our first artist on the show is Amir Kelly. Moved by the enchanting melodies of Bollywood and the rich layers of 90s R&B, Amir has created a genre of his own called Blindian Pop. Welcome to Joy Sounds, Amir. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I understand that you during this shelter at home are actually sticking fairly close to campus right now.
1: Yeah, I think I was just really comfortable in my creative space that I've already had set up in LA. And for me, kind of leaning into that space during this time um, and elaborating on what I already had in, in progress is both like kind of comforting and a little bit dissociating being so close to the day-to-day, but LA is definitely
0: home for me. Looking back at your sort of path to this moment, to your graduating moment, it hasn't been easy for you. You've been an inspiration in terms of your perseverance.
1: Thanks. I really appreciate it. For me, it has definitely been not the easiest journey getting to this point. Um, I've had to overcome a lot of things, um, including, you know, issues with family, issues with my own health. At the time, I actually was diagnosed with stage three cancer when I was eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first entered college, and that was a really big game changer for me um, because that was a moment when I realized that my life had so much value, and I didn't really say the things I wanted to say, I didn't sing the songs that needed to be sung, and I hadn't fully given into my passion of music. I knew it was always for me, but there wasn't the same sense of urgency. Wow. Um, so after kind of having that experience at a young age kind of having like a life crisis and saying, okay, what do I want to do with my life? I realized that the only place I had ever wanted to be at this time was at USC in the pop program, making music. So I actually auditioned while I was still in the hospital, which was crazy, Um, but we made it work. And it was a journey getting into the program and, you know, making it out here. But every single day and every single year, I think the more and more that I learn about myself and the more and more that I'm open and more vulnerable with people around me and my community, the more that I'm uplifted and the more that I am encouraged um, on my journey. So I feel like although it has been very hard, the best part about USC is that it gave me the support to make those hard moments
0: a little bit easier
1: and a lot more enjoyable along the way.
0: Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. And it also sounds like it was an important pivotal moment for you to discover yourself as an artist,
1: right? Absolutely. When I first came into USC, I didn't really know what kind of sound or what kind of style or what kind of artist I wanted to be. I just knew that singing was the only option for me. Yeah. And through the program and through my own self discovery through therapy and through, you know, working on kind of more intimate reflection with my background, I was able to. Start discovering more of what makes me me as a person and therefore influencing my lifestyle, culture, and
0: my actual music. So you've reached back into your heritage and your culture. To basically create this fusion that's entirely unique.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, for me, growing up it was very apparent to me. My mom always underlie, you know, to us about the racism that occurred in the Indian community. Um, and growing up, my so my mom is actually from India. She moved here when she was 13 years old, and my grandfather was the first one in our entire family to actually immigrate from India to America. Mm. And he paved the way for not only my immediate family but the entire extended family. Um, and during his time while the family was in India, they were living there during the war between uh, Pakistan and my mom, and like all of her family were left behind by my grandfather. So they were going through a horrible war. But my grandfather actually moved to LA and was going to USC. So he um, worked full time at a hotel and he would work the grave, you know, the graveyard shifts and sleep for an hour and then pay full tuition by himself at USC while also sending money back to India. amazing. Um, and he was able to make it safe enough for everybody and to make enough you know, money to get everybody out here on a boat. And my entire family now lives pretty much all in California. And I am the only person in my family who also has gone to USC other than my grandfather. I think that was the center of my reflection point was when I went to USC, thinking about the people that were here before me, thinking about the journey that was paved before me. Although I knew that was amazing, I also had an issue with like what I said with there is also overt racism in the Indian culture and colorism towards black people. And I knew from the very beginning of my life that we were not going to be considered normal and very much. So my mom had terrible issues with her parents and had, um, a lot of, you know, issues with merging you know, having a black father and having an Indian mother was something that had never been done before really. Mm -hmm. And she was disowned from her family initially after she had married my dad. So The family kind of came back after, you know, we were born, it started to kind of assimilate a little bit more, but I was at the forefront of these two cultures that had never been mixed. I'd be three or four years old and my mom would be playing Bollywood films all day long, just Bollywood films and classical Indian music. I learned prayers and chants while I was doing that. I was also walking into the other room to my dad singing four part gospel harmony with his all black family. Wow. And I was going to church. had a Southern Baptist church in the middle of Long Beach that my grandma on my dad's side completely created herself. So it's like, I had this Southern Baptist tradition, this Black culture that was so special to me. And I had this Indian culture and it was so infused to the point where it was like, I was going to the Indian temple, the Mandir on Thursday, and then I would go to, you know, the, the Baptist church on Sunday. My dad always had Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight, Anita Baker playing at the house. You know, the Supremes, Motown. My dad's favorite singer in the world is Sam Cooke. It's mm-hmm. like I've been given permission of two of the most richest cultures, not only, you know, not only socially and culturally, but musically, the rhythms and the melodies in both of my cultures. They There's a bridge in there.
0: So the song that we're going to present on today's episode by you, Eyes, really represents a lot.
1: We were working on a project called the World Music Project as a part of our sophomore theory class. And we were working on the Indian music section and our assignment was to create a song that was going to be using some of the elements that we learned in class. And I was was in the class and I heard one of my classmates, his his name is Cole Mitchell, and he had produced a rough track that used a lot of the Indian influence. And that rough track actually became the start of Eyes.
0: So the song that we're gonna hear, Eyes, is this something that we can find on Spotify or platforms? Have you released this yet?
1: No, the song so this song is actually more of a sneak peek. It's we're we're still waiting on the finalized release date, but we should expect to to hit stores real soon. But my latest single, Eden, actually just premiered with Rolling Stone India. So you can check that
0: out there. Congratulations, that's awesome, fantastic. Okay, so uh, one more more time, Eden is released, and you said it was debuted. Yes, debuted through Rolling Stone India. Absolutely, yes. Very, very cool. And thank you so much for giving us this sneak peek into uh, your next single, Eyes. So with that, let's check it out. This is Eyes, performed by Amir Kelly on Joy Sounds.
2: Keep it going, baby. Pull another round. Put me on the stage, I guarantee it's going down. People never change, you want me, then you want me now. Call it what you want it, but you know where the crown. And I'm popping my tie, cause I'm priceless. Who try me on, I'm the right fit. Take you to church, cause I'm righteous. You've never heard nothing like this, so. Steady, cause the music gonna shake you Ready, cause you know I'm gonna take you high Let the rhythm elevate you You don't have to say it, I can see it in your eyes where i'm going and you're begging me to stay watching how i'm moving you can never look away i know what you're thinking because they tell me what you say call me what you want to, you know people never change and i'm running this ship like it's nothing turning this shit into something calling you out when you're bluffing not in your head because it's bumping oh, what you Say it, I can see it in your eyes
0: that was Amir Kelly with his song, Eyes. Is there anybody you'd like to acknowledge and thank? Oh, there are so many people. Um, I'm very, <laughs> very
1: thankful to the faculty, um, you know, to you, to Patrice, Russian, um, to Sean Holt and Jeffrey Allen for all really believing in me and giving me tools and allowing me to really explore the artistic creation. And then on the student side, um, I was able to work closely with a student who was studying her graduate degree in music industry. Her name is Ashley Brooks. And also, um, I was able to meet my creative director who helps me with my visual image. Um, and that's Caleb Griffin, who is a part of the Roski School of Art and Design. So very much, I'm very thankful to USC and for the community that it's kind of gifted to me. Oh, and also thankful to Shilpa Sadegopin, who also was a co-writer on Eyes, who was another member of the pop, um, of, of the pop kids. And she is a singer who will study classically Indian um, music, classical Indian music. And so working with her has also given me a lot more insight on my own journey. Very thankful for the community
0: around me. Thanks so much, Amir. Next up on this Joy Sound special, featuring the 2020 graduating class of the USC pop program is Enzo Ionello. Enzo is a dedicated guitarist and producer. His ability to play fluently in a variety of styles has allowed him to record and perform with many LA musicians and artists. It's my pleasure to introduce Enzo Ionello. How are you, Enzo? doing well Chris I appreciate it how are you I'm good man I'm good are you finding that during this shutdown and quarantine time are you able to keep busy are you doing some some session work are tracks being sort of shared with you remotely
3: oh yes and in fact as part of my my senior project here uh, I built a, a project studio in the valley and so uh, I've been heading there about every week and and I think definitely while people are, are at home they're writing lots of music and trying to to put some things out they they're sending tracks and I'm still able to, to practice and record and, and get some neat sounds.
0: You really established yourself over the course of your time at USC as like a go-to guy. Um, sort of the director of uh, guitar sounds and you've been in um, countless bands and been on countless recording sessions and you've just sort of been that swiss army knife for people in the program to go to does that reflect sort of how you want to participate in the industry do you want to be that type of person that provides those uh, for lack of a better word services
3: thank you chris um and and yes Definitely, um, I I think more than anything, I really enjoy playing with different people of of different musical styles. It's how I learn the best, and uh, to be able to you know sit down in a recording session or even play on stage with someone, to me, it's it's just about as fulfilling as as anything. And to be a, a session musician or a you know for hire contract you know live sideman, that that's definitely what I would like to contribute to the industry and how I'd like to act within it.
0: With you creating your own recording space, it's almost like you can set up set up your home office. You're ready to get busy, right? And and you yes. said you said that this was actually part of your uh, senior year final project, right?
3: Yes. So for my uh, my senior project, I, I decided uh, that I was going to relocate and finish the the project studio that I had in Detroit out here, so I could uh, you know stay post graduation and, and and continue working, and then also to build a, uh, a more all-inclusive pedal board with with some of my mentors and my dad and both of which are just about done and, and ready to you know I'm um, ready to to be worked on and so um I can't tell you how excited I am
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great man The to the layman you say pedal board and it's like yeah you slap together some pedals it's far from that <laughs> it's a huge project isn't it <laughs>
3: I I thought I had a decent understanding of how that stuff worked at the beginning of this project, and I, I did not. It's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah.
0: You want to share with us a bit of an example of your work in which some artists, uh, songwriting, producing team, came to you and specifically wanted you to do some direction on the guitar arrangements and, and the guitar tracks. So this track that you're sharing with us, which is called Used To, is, a, is an excellent demonstration of sort of uh, the work that you do,
3: right? A few of my colleagues, uh, Cyrus Elia and and, and Brant Orange, they, um, they were working in a collaborative team and they had written the song that they were, uh, to my understanding, they were, they were unsure if it was actually going to make the cut. And so they called me in just to experiment with uh, some guitar. And, um, it was, uh, clearly a, a more R and B pop song, but they wanted some tones that were a little outside of the box. And so we experimented with, uh, with some R and B strap tones. It was funny. They, they sort of, uh, the one thing that, they asked was you know play like a like a a paul jackson jr part on this song which is after working with him at usc for a few years it was i was pretty excited to do that and then um after we laid down the tracks that they had really wanted and they knew they wanted and they were like okay just put whatever you want on it now i mean that was that was the you could do anything at that point and so we just threw a lot of overdrive on it and we were just had all the pedals up and and everything set to 10 and we were just it it was really more fun than anything and the final result I think showcases that it's parts all meld together and the song is is extremely cohesive and it it just ended up being great
0: your work really kicks in and around the second verse you can start to hear the guitars come in and that's almost part of your job is not just what to put in but what not to put in right that's that's the art of arranging
3: yeah 100% I think if there's one thing that that I learned at my time at USC, it's the role of the guitar and how to give a song, any song, just what it needs, as opposed to, you know, looking at it as an opportunity to showcase what you can do. And uh, I think that that lesson in itself is probably one of the most valuable things I'll ever take away.
0: If you reflect on your past four years, was there a highlight, a specific moment that you think was transformative moment for you?
3: Oh, I think there was. I think there was. Although every opportunity to study with the different instructors that I did were a highlight, I think that one defining moment was when um, Professor Patrice Russian put together a, uh, a medley of Aretha Franklin tunes in tribute of, of Aretha Franklin using, I mean it, it must have been about 60 people from both the, the popular music department, jazz department, the I mean even the production department and the music industry department, it was just this huge orchestra of people playing this, um, this Aretha Franklin melody and it was uh, to be on stage playing those great tunes with Patrice conducting it it, it, it I, I don't know, it was hard to contain myself there. It's a bit emotional.
0: So this is Enzo Ionello doing the guitar work on a track called Used To by Mori Mori. That was Enzo Ionello and his guitar work on the track, Used To. And before I let you go, are there any people that you would like to uh, thank at this moment um, and uh, give a shout out to who have been on Team Enzo supporting you these past four years?
3: Well, my parents, uh, 100%, my grandparents, and uh, I mean, you, Chris, I, I appreciate everything you've done to to allow me to be where I'm at now, and i, I, I you know, cannot really uh, express how how grateful I am for that. And uh, also uh, Patrice and you know, Steve Travado and, and Paul Jackson Jr. It, it, you guys made this uh, this whole experience just more than I ever could have expected.
0: Congratulations on your graduation, Enzo. The faculty of the Popular Music Program are an extraordinary group of dedicated teachers and music professionals who have a shared commitment and passion for developing these student artists. Today, we'll introduce you to just a few faculty members. And as you'll hear in our conversation, each of them go above and beyond the regular role of a teacher and become close and trusted mentors to these students. So let's welcome to Joy Sounds members of the USC Popular Music faculty, Jeffrey Allen, Lindia Johnson, Sean Holt, and Adriana Balak. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey. Hello. Ah, it's so nice to hear from you guys. And all of you have played such an instrumental part in the experience of these students over the past four years. And this is a landmark year for the Popular Music Program as it celebrates its 10th anniversary. And there's a couple of you who have been here from the very, very beginning. And I would love to hear your perspective. What's special about the program?
4: Well, I started in 2010, and that was the second year of the program. It has been quite a journey to see the talent just continue to pour in over the years. Being at USC is just a different situation because we've got select students, uh, a good number of, what, 25 per year coming in.
5: Mm -hmm. That's right.
4: And these students mean business. And they come in with variety of talent, and just a drive like I've seen nowhere else. The thing that I have been most proud of is when I was out touring for a couple years with Pink, the thing that I'm most proud of is that I have crossed paths out there with some of my former students. One of the most amazing things that happened to me was um, in spring 2019. Uh, we were doing the second leg of the U.S. Beautiful Trauma Pink Tour, and I'm backstage at the first venue, and who do I bump into? Camila Mora. Amazing. I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And it turns out she's playing keys, singing for Julia Michaels, and Julia Michaels is opening up for Pink. And I got goosebumps just like saying it.
0: Those aren't isolated examples. Um it seems exactly. like it seems like reunions of former alumni happen in airports across the nation <laughs> as people are moving through exactly. uh, touring and everything. Jeffrey, it <laughs> appears to me that the faculty has a tremendous sense of teamwork, something that I don't honestly see in a lot of academic uh, settings. But the sense of teamwork really seems to resonate with this particular faculty. Has that been your experience?
6: Yes. Something I've said over the years is that when we have our faculty meetings, it's very gratifying in that the group of instructors that we have together functions quite a bit like a pedagogical family between each other and towards the student's And what really makes it exciting is that we're literally thinking about the program all the time. We're not satisfied with it. We realize this program isn't finished. It's growing. It's in process. And I, I would think that that's what the students expect of us. And this program is going to be moving forward and needs to be aware of itself. And I think that's what we've done. And I think the students actually take that concept into their rehearsals and they're also not satisfied with what they achieve. Mm-hmm. And they're always trying to push boundaries, push limits, rethink things, reorganize and test and question everything they're doing. A lot of times in the workshops that we provide, in my experience, a lot of times we're not asking the students to show us what they're comfortable with doing, but we're asking them to show us what they're not comfortable doing and where they maybe didn't suspect they would go or have been afraid to go and that really opens up options for them. Sean Holt, you fall into a
0: category, like a lot of us, of what I call the unexpected teacher. My guess is is that you thought you probably had an idea in mind of what you were going to be doing as a career activity, as a composer, as a performer, and all of these things. And uh, like a lot of us, we just sort of accidentally stumbled into academia. Well, it wasn't
7: accidental. Chris Sampson brought me in on a Friday and, and told me I'd be teaching the pop class the following semester. And what happens is... I- I fell in love with it as professors in this particular program because the aesthetic of every cohort changes. So our teaching has to remain prescriptive. So that means that every year we come in, we have a new cohort of people. The industry has a new feel, a look and feel. The, the sounds are changing. So we have, to be, we have to react to those changes and we have to deliver something that's prescriptive and, and very specific to that cohort because they're moving through a program that looks nothing like the one four years before it because the industry has changed. As far as my teaching experience goes, I realized once you invited me down and I had a chance to experience some of these students that Adriana so eloquently described, I realized I've always been a teacher. I think I'm a classic protagonist, so I love to see people win, and I think at the end of the day, I don't view myself as a pedagogue as much as somebody with a crazy amount of conflicted experience who wants to share it, wants to tell the story, and at the end of the day wants to see his students win. And if that makes you a successful professor, I guess that that might be why I have a shot at it. Jeffrey mentioned it a minute ago. We are, in fact, a cohort. So we have a cohort teaching cohorts. And I think that, that breeds so much cohesion in our department. And the fact that we're in our 10th year, Chris, you created something that is no longer a proof of concept. This thing works. Like Adriana said a minute ago, we see tens and tens and dozens of our kids out there from solo careers to 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 even music directors on some of the biggest tours that are out there right now the information that we're sharing is relevant and i think the fact that we chase relevance every time we step on campus and we all move in the same posture of what can we do to make this better what can we do to to remain relevant for these students is why i love what i do and as you said i never saw it coming but um, it is a season of my life in which I'm really happy to be.
0: Lindia. I've also noticed that our faculty go beyond just the being a classroom instructor or in the private studios, but really fill the role of mentor. And that mentoring goes above and beyond just the teaching. It's really starting to nurture these students on a one-to-one basis.
8: It's probably one of the largest responsibilities that actually kind of go beyond even teaching them voice. Um, Singing is such a personal thing that you really can't help getting to know your students and they trust you. And when they do trust you, they often do share with you some of the things that are happening with them um, in connection with their craft, in connection with their personal lives. I try to be someone that they feel they can come to, but I also try to listen objectively. I don't want them to feel as if that line between me being their voice instructor and me being sort of like a counselor to them, I don't want that line to run together too much. I keep my door open to them and I want them to come to me, but I also want to see them apply a lot of their God-given common sense to some really tough situations. I'll lead them in the right direction. You know, I'll give them clues. What do you think this would look like next year? What are the consequences of this decision? How do you think this will affect you if you embarked upon it this way? And it usually, if I usually just drop them clues, they get to their own answers because I think that that's gonna be necessary for them particularly in this business.
0: Absolutely. And I think you just captured the beautiful art of mentoring is, is that you're not giving the answers, but you're teaching a mindset. You're teaching a thought process. Can you summarize what makes this particular class, the graduating class of 2020, special? How do they stand out?
7: I think the diversity is really interesting for me this year, that there's many, many different kinds of expressions of, of creativity. That's true in every year, but this year, man, we've got students in the last year and a half that have come into realities around the music. You know, historical things around family now have informed entire career paths because they came into a knowledge around maybe some of their uh, some of their lineage, right? We've got students that came into school thinking they were going to be performing artists that have realized that uh, as a songwriter, production is where their heart really lives, and they, they can't imagine what it would look like to be doing anything else other than sitting in front of the doll all day. And so this is a really special crew. They followed their hearts. And uh, they've ended up in places they didn't necessarily foresee when they got started.
6: Jeffrey. Each individual in this class stands out and can stand up on their own on a stage and own that stage in whatever they're doing. And they're formidable presences, each one of them. And yet, they're very capable of collaborating. And they can support each other, are willing to support each other and move each other up to the next level. So that the, you know, sometimes you get classes that can collaborate really well, but maybe they're not quite as strong individually or vice versa. But this group literally can do both at a very high level. And it's always stood out to me that that was the case. All along, we've talked about how every time there's a cohort that goes through, it raises the bar for the next cohort. Mm -hmm. It makes it tougher. So the people that are going to be coming in for this next upcoming prospective class, they had to go through a a tougher audition process than even the ones went through before. It's going to be exciting to see the musicianship and the general intensity even ratchet up a bit more.
4: I look forward to the 20-year celebration of all the alumni and to just be overwhelmed. I'm already overwhelmed by... The success of the students out there that I bump into all the time or see, you know, when I turn on the TV or whatever. I look forward to that 20-year reunion where everyone's in the room and the presence and the energy of that and the camaraderie and the family of that. Uh, feeling will be like none other.
7: I want to agree with, with Adriana. I think this is so much more than a teacher-student paradigm that we operate in. Th- this is about the passing of the baton, metaphorically, where we are practitioners, we're training practitioners, and we want, to, we want to see them win. And as we all know, these careers have an arc. And I'm really encouraged that we are just now coming into the upslope of what the typical career might look like for our very first graduates that got out of here, you know, 2014, 2015. They are in that place now where you really start to see critical mass occur and careers start to lift off in a way that that we all know they do. It's going to be an amazing thing to watch, those first graduates even find more success than they already have.
8: I think for me, it will be very interesting to see with this next 10 years of students how they're going to reimagine the live stage performance post you know covid-19 Th- we will be going into a reimagining of what live performance needs to look like on some level and i think that this next 10 years it's going to look different i do believe we'll go back to live performance but i also believe that there will be other ways that these students will discover they can express themselves, get their content out there, and um, be artists on another level that we probably have never seen before. And I'm excited to see what that's going to look like.
6: I've had the opportunity to hire some of the folks in the graduating class to work on various projects in my studio with some of my clients. And I can say they are professionals, and when they come in to do work and be supportive of the projects that I have, it's not like you have a young musician coming in. You have a young professional coming in, and that has been one of the delights that I've experienced. That when I hire these folks, they are ready to go. They're on the ball. They're prepared. They're resourceful. They're creative. Energetic, and it's exactly the type of person you'd like to have walk into a studio environment where the goals are really high
0: level. Once again, my heartfelt thanks to USC pop faculty members, Jeffrey Allen, Adriana Balik, Sean Holt, and Lyndia Johnson. Let's get back to hearing from more graduating seniors from the program. Ashley Estes is a dynamic vocalist and performer who has big plans ahead for her future after graduation. Let's welcome Ashley Estes to Joy Sounds. Hi, Ashley. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great for you to be here. So, Ashley, you have come to the Popular Music program through quite a journey. You transferred into the program and ended up traveling clear across the country. So what was that process like for you?
9: Well, I always knew I wanted to be in California. Long story short, my mom comes from a really big family. Um, originally from Texas, and they all went to LA. And out of the nine siblings, she was the only one who went to the East Coast. So I kind of felt left out. You know, all my cousins went to LA. Some of them stayed here. So kind of been ingrained in me since I was really little that I had to be the one to go to LA since my mom didn't. Got it. <laughs> so um, originally, I did want to go to USC, but I ended up going to um, University of Miami first, which was. Inexperience, I'm grateful for it. So I came to USC and I still remember vividly the first day I re-met you from, not from auditions, but when I got here. And that was just such a great day because I was like, wow, like this is step one. Okay. I got here. I'm in LA. I'm going to stay. I'm in school.
0: So you arrived at the program as a vocal emphasis However, you didn't feel confined by that label and it was really important for you to find your voice also as a writer. So tell me about that journey.
9: I tell people this, I was very intimidated because when you come from a place of like, you know, humbly people saying that you're really good at something and you come here and then you're like one of many who's really good at something, it kind of puts you, it's like a shell shock. Like, okay, I really do have to prove myself And I would say for like the first, really the first two years I was here, which was not that long ago, I put myself in a box really, and through vocal lessons and just talking with other people, you know, like, Oh, what are you doing outside of school? And I'm like, Oh, well, I thought that, you know, as a singer, other people wrote my music for me, really, because, you know, a lot of people still do that, which is totally fine. But being able to have my voice heard from my point of view, and pushing myself to know that even if I haven't been doing something as long as other people, their journey is their journey and my journey is mine. So whether I start writing, you know, last year or 10 years ago, what I have to say is still valid. And you can hone in on a skill at any time really and still be really good at it if you're just consistent. You know, with a lot of talks with my dear friend and mentor, Dr. Patrice Rushing. She has really helped me, as well as you, just, you know, look myself in the mirror and know that if I want something, I can't wait around for other people to do it either. So that's where it really came from. It's like, well, nobody seems to want to give me their songs out of the song (laughs) program, so... I'm going to have to sit here and write myself.
0: (laughs) Is one of the songs that you want to feature today, Big Ups, is that a result of this process?
9: Yes, it's a result really of the entire journey that I actually have been talking about today. You know, I was really upset about not going to USC my first year, but without that year at a different school, I wouldn't have had certain experiences that led me to be able to write about what I'm going through or what I went through. And then this song that we're going to, you know, future today, that, that is very near and dear to my heart, because it speaks a lot to what I was going through.
0: So this is a breakthrough song for you. What mm-hmm. does the future hold for Ashley Estes?
9: The future is very bright, even in the midst of COVID-19. You're right, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think this time has just, it's really just shown me that you could have a plan, but God will have another plan for you. And that just means you may have to slow down, rethink, reanalyze. So I'm very hopeful that in the near future, you know, I'll continue to keep being a confident writer and not rushing just to have fame. I really do want to make classics. I love how music really stands the test of time, like good music. So that's what I'm really focused on is like not just having a hit or being known for two to three years. I want longevity. I want people to know my name far down the line, people to understand that I took this seriously. This is a craft. This is a passion and not just something I picked up and want a check for, really.
0: This is Ashley Estes performing Big Ups on Joy Sounds.
10: time I told myself That I can handle all that's doubt. You can knock me down, you try The devil really thinks he's wise Why can't things with you be easy? It ain't that hard to try and please me It takes more to stay in love Take with it when it gets rough But pay ups to you by finding your strength she can't wait to play all your games Big ups to you for finding your shame Cause you're one and the same, yeah Big ups to you for finding your shame Bet she can't wait to play all your games Big ups to you, you all think the same And it's really a shame, yeah I am more than meets the eye And you can't See that I'm all about you You're talking reckless in my ear. Let's just talk about it You wanted more, so I'm here Yeah, I'm all about you Can't fight the way that you feel This ain't rocket science Like big ups to you for finding your strength Bet she can't wait to play all your games Big ups to you for finding your strength I shouldn't be ashamed, but it's the feeling that you gave me, baby Yeah, it really is a fucking shame, that I'm the one who had to blame, yeah I'm the one that's always here next to me, she can't compare, now who's really in despair, but Big ups to you for finding your strength, that she can't
0: And that was Ashley Estes with Big Ups. Is there anybody in your circle that you would like to give a shout out to and thank?
9: Yes, definitely my mom. My mom is my best friend. You know, a lot of parents or just people in general will deter you from going to music school, being a musician at all. And my mom has never, ever told me to do something different. She's always said you want to be a singer, you need to figure out a way to make it happen. And she just wants the best for me. And my friends, too. I really have a great group of friends who are so supportive, come to every show that we've had at Thornton, and are always just ready to be my biggest fan. So shout out to them and
0: my mom. Congratulations, Ashley. Continuing with more graduating seniors from the USC pop program, let's hear from twin brothers Julian and Stefan Salas, who together have created the hard rock band simply named after their last name, Salas. Julian and Stefan, welcome to Joy Sounds. Hey, what's going on? What's up, Chris? Man, it's so great to have you guys here. Thank you. It's really good to be here. You guys gave me such a deep appreciation for skate culture. I never see you without your skateboards on (laughs) campus. And we had this really great conversation about how much it meant to you because it was a lifestyle in which you sort of use skateboarding to be sort of in the moment, enjoy the day, be very present. It's not just a hobby with you guys. This is a lifestyle, right? Yeah. It's
4: definitely
11: a way of life. 100%. It's just, yeah, it's like you mentally and physically can't live without it or express yourself. in it. there's no other thing out there that allows you to express yourself in quite the same way and feel the same emotions and feelings as
12: as skateboarding does. So we started skating before we started playing music. It was something about that creative risk, yeah, that just was so thrilling and just, uh, just powerful. This is a powerful part of um, of our lives, and that without that, we wouldn't be playing music in the same way or writing in the same way. It's just something that contributes heavily to. Uh,
0: Yeah, kind of all aspects of our life. And like I said, you guys gave me a newfound appreciation. I didn't realize that there was so much behind it. I just appreciated that because I I learned something through you guys. So thanks. So the two of you have a band project. that you've got going on and I'm wondering what is it like as twin brothers in a band to be creating music together what that what is that process and that dynamic like
12: (laughs) man it's fun it's uh it's fun and and a nightmare at the same time because you know you're sharing everything everything that you write is being you know twists and turns into something completely different by the end of the day and so you know something I think that That we both have to accept is whatever we write, as soon as we give it to the other person, you know, we have to allow it to just completely change and just be, let it go in the direction, whatever direction is just, it's naturally going in, you know, and that's, that's been something that's really, um, given me a lot of patience (laughs) and I think also helped with our relationship too. Yeah. Being, having a sustainable relationship because it's, it's a lot of tests.
11: You know, I mean, if we get into an argument about something, we're going to solve it. You know, it's not like, oh,
12: okay,
11: I'm not <laughs> going to talk to you ever again. It's like, well, you live in the room next to me for the past 23 years. So, you know, <laughs> uh, it's definitely taught us a lot about that and and um, just being more thoughtful about, you know, how other people might be feeling, even when you feel really strongly about certain idea and then also at the end of the day always realizing you know it's not that serious if you have a disagreement about well i thought it should have been c sharp and i thought it should have been c really doesn't matter and there are more (laughs) important things than (laughs) you know a half step away so yeah Um,
12: in terms of the writing process like what we we always uh we always build on the instrumental part first so we'll can we'll write everything without any vocals i Mm. mean stephanie writing some some lyrics and having some melodies in his head but we always um
0: you know we we just focus on solidifying the instrumental part first thanks for that insight because the song that uh, we're going to play from you guys today through darkness is different from everything else that we have on on the show today in that it is an instrumental and it's a short instrumental it almost sounds like it maybe belongs as a piece to a larger work or or to function as something. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely.
11: So we initially wrote the song uh, because one of our friends reached out to us. His name's Jason Strubing and he owns uh, Skateworks, which is a skate shop in the Bay Area. And his brother was coming out with a short video for Ace Trucks Manufacturing. And so they were releasing a little clip and needed music for it. And so Jason reached out to us. And yeah, we had the deadline of about Two days. So we're <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh then we got the help of Martin Lopez to engineer it and bring in his expertise, which really, really helped everything mates blend a difference. and come together really beautifully. Yeah. Julian played
12: guitar, uh I played We had Enzo on guitar too, mm-hmm. Enzo Ianello and uh Cam Lee on drums. So yeah it was
0: great. It just came together really fast. But it's like that when you get asked to write those tunes for like a commercial or media, it's like the turnaround time is crazy, isn't it?
11: It's insane, yeah. I think just especially because it was something that was so relatable for us, it's like, wow, we both ride ace trucks we think their team is epic like we love watching their videos and uh justin's such a rad person and so when you have an opportunity that is not just like writing music for like a chevy commercial or something you know it's like this is something super personal and it just gives you the opportunity to you know improve and like bring value to other people's lives that you also care about and so we were just like no question i'm not doing my homework this weekend like
12: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so our band is Salas, and it's just our last name. And is there anybody that you want to give a shout out
11: to? Absolutely. For me, just a lot of amazing people are releasing new music right now. Yeah, a few of the people I would love to mention. First is uh, Tristan Heineke, who's a composition major, and he is in this project called Adventures in Painting with Benjamin Ring. And it is just seriously the most incredible, amazing music I've ever heard in my life. It's, they'll do one or two songs, you know, usually that span about 30 to 45 minutes each, and it's completely improvised. And they're just going off of each other. And it's seriously the most brilliant, incredible music um, I've ever heard. And yeah, definitely be on the lookout for more, more stuff from Tristan and Ben. Um, Madeline Maie, Georgia Green. McGee, Grace Corsi, uh, Remy Wolf, Sammy, Luca Mendoza. They all have such amazing stuff coming out. Everyone in Thumpasaurus, Logan and Henry and Paul. New music we've been finding out about recently too. Kyle Lux, Ellie Williams, all these amazing people are releasing music and you should go check them out. Also
12: Enzo, Enzo Iannello. Enzo He's, yes. man. He's just one of the best people at Thornton that I met. Just so genuine and amazing guitar player seriously for anything anything you could ever want in the pop rock world and beyond
0: oh my god greta <laughs> she's the best <laughs> man yeah.
11: so
12: many people i could just
11: yeah. keep going on and on yeah, I Love it. A-
0: so this is solace julian looks- and stefan performing looks- through darkness on joy sounds thanks guys we'll see you soon oh my- thanks chris have a great one And that was Solace with Through Darkness. Thanks again, guys. Now we'll introduce you to senior Haley Perkins. Haley's artist project is called IO. IO's music could best be described as a coffee house cake with pop frosting and electronic sprinkles, a product of a movement of indie electronic minimalism. She takes after artists such as Sylvanesso, Marion Hill, and Zach Farage. Welcome to Joy Sounds, Haley.
13: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So it seems like you very comfortably exist in a couple of different universes, in an artist universe, as well as a songwriter universe, because you have an artist project in which you go by IO, Mm -hmm. And it's really important to you that you also are a songwriter that's writing for a lot of different artists and a lot of different styles.
13: Yeah, I would say that I've always been fascinated by ventures outside of myself. When we started taking songwriting classes, we always used to have to do assignments where we have to write as though we were writing for another artist. So like the Beach Boys or Bonnie Raitt or whatever. And I think that for me, that sort of expanded my, the way that I think about songwriting is something that is not just a skill to hone from myself, but upon which I can project other artists' types and styles and um, moods, et cetera.
0: Tell us a little bit about the vision that you have behind your artist project, I.O.
13: So the beginning of I.O. was really when my single started coming together, I sort of envisioned this amalgamation of all the things in my life that fascinate me most, like sort of the cosmos and my music and my songwriting and the poetry that I write. And I sort of strung together this image of myself. And the The name Io comes from, it's a moon of Jupiter. It's like the most geologically active body in the entire solar system. But most people don't know what it is or where it is. And so I kind of Use it as like a, like a metaphor for myself. I have all this stuff going on, but you wouldn't necessarily know that if you met me or if you just like happened to chance upon me somehow.
0: During your studies, you seem to have had a very impactful study abroad experience.
13: Uh, last semester, of fall of 2019, I was lucky enough to study abroad in Oslo. It's the capital of Norway. And I ended up there because I spent another short-term week abroad program through Thornton at the Norwegian Academy of Music, doing an intensive study in folk music of Norway. And it was really fascinating. I'd never been to Northern Europe before, and it sort of blew my mind, the the way that the educational system is set up there and the tiny sort of intimate environment in which we studied music. And I loved it so much, I just fell in love with the city and the people and the music. And so I decided to, on a whim, like five days before the deadline, pull together the necessary faculty via email, (laughs) and uh, I managed to string together all the documents and necessary things to go and study abroad. So I was the first one to go on the full-time exchange abroad to the Norwegian Academy of Music, and that really completely changed my life and the way that I look at my songwriting skills and the way that I approach Writing as well as an art.
0: Seems like it was one of these things that solidified your interest in writing songs in foreign languages.
13: It is. Before I went to Norway, I was in a class called World Music, which I didn't pick, but my advisor suggested I take. And it was a GE with a bunch of students from various disciplines and majors. And for the final project, we were asked to either do a paper that combined two of our prior papers for the class or to tackle some sort of creative project. And so I decided to do a little bit of both. So I took my two papers, one about the dissemination of gamelan and Indonesian music through Western film scoring, and my other paper about um, voodoo music and Haitian Creole music, and I sort of combined them into one, and I made this song called Pase, which was essentially took a kalimba and sort of made it into this gamelan-like loop, um, melodic basis, and I, and I adapted a children's song in Haitian Creole, um, which I obtained through a book that was given to me by a USC professor who I looked up. So I sort of combined those two things. And after I did that, I started showing it to people and they were like, why don't you do more stuff like this? And it was so fun to do. I figured like, why not give it a try? And when I went to Norway, I sort of just expanded upon that and started writing songs in Norwegian after taking the Norwegian class while I was abroad. Snowballed into this thing that's like so much bigger than me now. It's just like, it's something that I always have to do now. So I find myself writing lots of poems and songs and all sorts of stuff in other languages
0: so the song that you would like us to feature in today's episode is called kitchen
13: so kitchen is in all senses of the word a passion project um it started uh the summer after my i believe it was my sophomore year in college my friend emily and i who's and emily is also a musician i should say um we were at her house and we were just sort of playing around on the piano and i just started playing this little progression (laughs) Very slowly, quarter note groove, and I just started humming this melody. It just came instantly into my mind like a, like a flash. And um, I really loved it. She kind of helped me iron it out of it. I should say. She helped me kind of clarify what I was thinking. And I was like, what if I made this like Elton John, sort of Frank Ocean-inspired sort of a melody? Um, and it sat for a while. And I think I didn't really get around to it until a few months later, when I sat down with McCall, who is another friend of mine who also used to be in USC Thornton pop. And she sort of helped me suss out the verses because I really loved the idea of the chorus, but I didn't know how to place the verses. So she and I sat down with a guitar and she really helped incorporate the groove and we sort of fleshed out the identity of the song. And the way it is now is really just a collaboration of so many other artists from Thornton who really helped me um, flesh out the full vision of Kitchen as it exists now, whether it be arranging or providing instrumental skills or production. Um, it really is a Thornton, USC pop effort in all, all senses. So that was a really amazing undertaking on the part of all the people who helped.
0: Uh, before you go, is there anybody that you would like to thank who was maybe uh, instrumental in supporting you through this journey?
13: Yes. Um, I'd like to thank my mom and my grandma and my dad my grandparents. I'd also like to thank all the people in my class. My cohort is amazing. They're all wicked inspirational. And without their ferocity and their courage and their immense talent and kindness and collaboration, I would not have had the inspiration um, or the will to do what I do now. Um, So I'd like to thank them for their support. I'd also like to specifically thank Brooks Brown and Jack Ingram for helping me produce, mix, edit, kitchen, and Cameron Soat and Adam Yaron and Enzo Ainello, um for contributing to Kitchen as well. Um, and yeah, I'd like to also thank you, Chris, for inviting me here and uh, for the POP program, It Is Your Baby, and Patrice Russian, of course. And yeah, I'd really like to thank
0: USC as a whole. And this is Haley Perkins with her song, Kitchen, on Joy Sounds.
14: say so, the thick haze of tipsy conversation is keeping you distant, I'm getting impatient, goddamn damn kitchen
0: much, Haley. And that's going to do it for our special edition feature on the 2020 graduating class of the USC Thornton Popular Music Program. My thanks to all the students and faculty for being on today's show. I know I speak for everybody when we say congratulations, good luck, and we can't wait to see what the future holds for all of you. For social media contact information for all the artists on today's show, visit the Joy Sounds website at www.joysoundsmusic.com. For more information about the USC Thornton Popular Music Program, please visit www.usc.edu slash music. Until next time, this is Chris Sampson. Take care of yourselves, and thanks for listening to Joy Sounds, music you need to know.